All right, this is Johnny Moeller. You are listening to Talking Blues. I'm a guitar player in Austin, Texas, working with uh, all types of different people. So check it out. What I find fascinating about Texas is there's a lot of great guitar players who come from Texas. Yeah. And a lot of great guitar players who come from Texas mention a lot of other Texas guitar players. Oh, yeah. And if I, when I read things about you, it tends to have a lot of Texas guitar players as your influence. Oh, yeah, definitely. Tell me about Very that. Very much. Well, like, you know, growing up in, I grew up in Dallas, or, you know, north of Dallas in Denton. And there was, you know, always great. Anson Funderburg was my, you know, early hero. And when I, I think I was 15, an older friend drove us down to Dallas and I, I somehow walked into the club and, and Anson and Sam were playing. I could hear the harmonica down the street. And I was with like two or three other friends that were like 15 year old kids. And this older guy, he must've been, he seemed old. He was probably 24, <laughs> like, you know, ancient now that I'm 52 53 you know it's like wow but uh he drove us down there and we went to they went to see like a free outdoor concert of uh, this guy eric johnson who's another you know famous texas guitar player but great guitar player yeah he's phenomenal and and i i had been into those kind of things before but by the time i was 15 i was like blues you know that was all i was into and i'd had i had i think i had a couple of those early anson records and things like that Anyway, so we get done with that concert, and he goes, hey, well, if you guys want to go down on Greenville Avenue, there's a bunch of clubs down there and bands playing. So we're walking down the street, and I could hear the harmonica, and I'm like, whoa, boy, what is this? Like, this is what I'm looking for. And I walked in. There was no – it was a Monday night. There was, like, eight people in the club, and Anson and Sam are playing. And I just sat in front of Anson. My friends just kept walking. They were like, oh, I'm not into this, you know. And uh, and I think it's you know we had Mike Judge was playing bass in the band, and uh, you know had a great band. And I just sat in front of Anson and Sam, and just was like up two feet, three feet from watching it. And I was like, wow, that's how you do it. Like, <laughs> you know. Okay, if we go back a little bit, you started playing guitar around eight or nine. Is that correct? No, no, that's probably about twelve. You know, maybe twelve. My dad bought me and my brother a. a a drum kit and a good funky old guitar and somewhere i remember we had a tape and a photo of us just banging on them it was <laughs> it was noise but uh you know and then my my parents split up and my dad had a bunch of old records you know he had the rolling stones and all that stuff but he also had a bunch of like like slim harpo jimmy reed my dad grew up in fort worth and, and i think a lot of those guys would actually play in the 60s you know, Fort Worth, there was a thing called the Jacksboro Highway. And a lot of, there were a lot of bars and bands and a lot of blues guys would play out there. And uh, so my dad was, he was into that, you know, that stuff. And somehow when my parents had split up, me and my brother, the records came with us. So, you know, we were digging through them going, oh, wow, this is, this is cool. Do you remember what might have, what would have been the first blues album that just grabbed you? Yeah. So we we were living in Denton, Texas, which is like 40 miles north of Dallas and Fort Worth. It's a college town. And I would ride my bike. So then I started getting into these records. I'm going, oh, I like this blues thing's cool. And I'd ride my bike across town over by the uh, North Texas campus the university campus and they had a sound warehouse there and i still remember it. i still have the record i might be able to find it here in a minute i'll show it to you but i rode my bike across town and uh i bought this lightning hopkins record it just looked cool and i remember getting home and going oh my god this is this is i've discovered something you know another texan yeah exactly another another yeah Famous blues Texan guitar player, singer, extraordinaire. And so, so you listen to this. Do you, are you thinking, I want to learn how to play like that? I did. 
I did. It's funny. I can remember everything. It was like summer. It was hot. You know, summer in Texas, like sunny day. I remember going, wow, this is, you know. And, and so at, from that moment, are you thinking, I want to play the blues? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I remember, I, I, you know, in high school and junior high, it was funny because I just went back to Denton with Marsha Ball. And I haven't played there. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, since I was a kid. <laughs> And this is like a month ago when right. we played up there and we had the whole afternoon off because we were in Dallas the day before. So I drove around with Marsha and Eric, her sax player all afternoon, like going, that's the Piggly Wiggly I worked at. That's, <laughs> that's the junior high school I went to. I learned how to smoke in that parking lot. Cigarettes. Wow. You know, there's my high school. My parents met at that high school. I mean, so it's like, Memory it was really rain. funny going back there. And so I remembered that house. We drove by that house I lived in where I rode my bike. And I go, man, I'll never forget riding my bike back to here with that Lightning Hopkins record and going, wow, look at this. Okay, so you think, well, this is what I want to do. And then you go see, a few years later, you wind up seeing Anson Funderburg with Sam Myers. Yeah. Was that one of the first times you saw a live performance of the blues? It was. Yeah, for sure. And Anson being one of the greatest. But what did that do to you? It, How did it affect you? For one thing, it was like all those things you hear, cool, quirky, blues things, you know, but you can't really figure out, you know, because it's not anything really anybody can teach you, like a teacher. I'm sitting in front of Anson, and I swear there's probably like three or four things I just want. That's how you do that. Like I'm watching him and going, <laughs> that's how you make that chord, or that's how you play that thing, you know. So it, it was, it was life-changing, you know. For sure. The, the, the thing I notice when I watch him play is just how tasteful his guitar playing He's, is. It still is. I mean, it's like, I yeah. still do that. I still, like, when I hear him, I'm going, there's so much to learn there. Like, and yeah, taste and, and economically, like, saying more with less, you know, playing less, but saying way more. You know, I'm like, man, I'm, I, I still got to be watching him. <laughs> it's the guy. <laughs> For sure. But as a 15-year-old, are you thinking, like, do you get that, that that, that it is less is more? Like, I can, I can easily imagine it going the other way it, at 15. You want to cram in as many notes as possible or something. Maybe, do. you know, maybe if I could have, like, I, I'm not really, like, some people, like, instantly have this technique where they can play fast. Like, yeah. I, it never, I can't really <laughs> shred or, <laughs> like... <laughs> So uh, maybe it just fit me better. Like I was like, okay, this is my, you know, this is my kind of thing here. I could, I could do this. Like I was into Jimmy Page and Hendrix and all those guys before. I think I got into the Beatles first, you know, I was probably 10. It was around the time when uh, John Lennon was killed and they were playing Beatles all the time, you know, or nine, what, 1980. And, uh, and it was on everywhere. And my mom had that double fantasy record. It just come out. And I remember going, wow, this is what I want to be. This is like so cool. You know, then you discover Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and I remember riding down the street with a buddy of mine. And uh, we were riding, and I had seen a, a Les Paul, like a fake black Les Paul in a pawn shop. And I was like, man, I want one. I want to get that. And I remember telling him that, and I remember him laughing, going, "You can't do that! Like, <laughs> no, you're crazy!" Like, so eventually, I got one and uh, started playing. But yeah, the the, the blues thing. So then, I, I kind of by the time I was saw Anson, it was like I, I had got that Lightning Hopkins album. I'd bought a couple of those Anson records and and a bunch of other stuff, T Birds, and uh, you know, I was. I had the bug. I was, I was, you know, all in. Okay. So the other thing, when I think about you playing, I often think about your rhythm work. Mm-hmm. Like, n- not that I don't love your lead work, but yeah, your rhythm playing is to me more distinctive and oh, thanks. Um, always impressed by what you do. Where does that come from? Well, like when you see like like Anson, definitely he plays great. Mm-hmm. you know, rhythm. It's always, I just kind of, 
I don't know. You know, a big part of it was, I think, I remember buying a bunch of those records and then getting into like bands like Booker T and the MGs, the meters and all the guys that play with like, you know, Jimmy Reed and those kind of things. Like there's great rhythm going on behind, you know? Yeah. A lot of people miss that. They don't, they just go straight to the great solos or whatever. And, uh, it's always been important. I always like to be a part of the rhythm section, part of, you know, like even Stevie Ray Vaughan. I mean, everybody talks about what a great guitar player he is, which he is, he was. Yeah. Yeah. But his rhythm work was just phenomenal. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny? He's great at, for him, like his style, like backing himself up. Yeah, yeah. And I remember Kim telling me, you know, he's talking about when they, he first started the T-Birds with Jimmy. He was running around with Stevie and, uh, and Doyle Bramhall Sr. And... I think they were all kind of entertaining the idea of like, man, we should get a band. Like, you know, they, these guys are all in their early twenties, you know, in Austin. And he said, uh, they went out and saw Jimmy play with uh, Jimmy's band at the time. I think it was called storm. And he goes, I saw Jimmy and it was the same thing. He goes, well, that's the guy. He can play rhythm. He knows how to back up a harmonica player, <laughs> you know? Whereas Stevie's probably great at what, you know, playing, backing himself up and doing his thing and playing the rhythm. But uh, he knew he was like, oh, that's, that's the guy I need to be working with. Like he knows how to play rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> like, like behind a singer, a harmonica player guy like Kim. And, and I presume Jimmy was also a great influence on your playing. Oh, huge. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. The, uh, you know, it's funny if, uh, Speaking of the same time, and or right before that, right before seeing Anson and and going down there and all that, my parents were real on and off, and my dad would be gone, uh, you know, out of the out of the scene. And me and my brother were like thirteen, fourteen year old kids in nineteen eighty three, and we would get our hair growing out, you know, like where we thought, like we're oh man, we're almost like Jimmy Page, and uh. And my dad would show back up and go, we got to go get you guys a haircut. <laughs> and we'd both be like, oh, no. And uh, we, he had a barber, it was a buddy of his, that played guitar. And he was a blues guitar player. And he was actually the first guy that kind of got me going that way. Uh, you know, be cutting our hair. And he, we're talking about guitar, and I'm like all into that. And uh, he said, yeah, do you ever get into blues? I'm like, I, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I know that Stevie Ray Vaughan guy's awesome. And he goes, yeah, you ought to check out his brother and his, the Fabulous Thunderbirds. Like, that's that's really the stuff to check out. And so I did, you know, from there. And by the time I, that was another, that was a big moment. It was like, oh, man, like, this is perfect, you know. So very early on are we thinking that this is what you will do for your life that you were yep. going to be a blues musician yep that was all i thought of yeah at that moment it was like well this is what i'm doing you know <laughs> well, I'm... and, and did uh, you have any sense of what that was or would be not really uh it's funny how things all come together like i was telling you when when i was in denton a few few weeks ago i was telling marcia you know, going around town and, and these things all just kind of came together. There was a guy named Pops Carter. He was like the local blues guy in Denton. He'd wear a suit and he was, I don't know, he was probably 65, but he seemed like he was, you know, he was probably 55, you know, <laughs> like my age. And I'm going, man, look at this old guy, like, you know, old blues guy. And he wore a suit and he, all the college kids knew him. And uh, he had like a band of, the guys weren't really blues guys. They were kind of more like, like music school, like fusion jazz guys that backed him up and me and my brother and we, our buddy, Paul size, who we grew up with. And, uh, we would go see him play and we we're going, man, we could do better than that. Like we know that song. That's a BB King song. You know? And, uh, finally Paul had a lot more nerve than, than I did. And he wouldn't ask him if he could play like, man, I want to play. And they got him up and pops liked him. And so we kind of got a band, me and my brother and Paul with Pops, like we were backing him up. And uh, we did that for probably a year or two, just around Denton, you know, North Texas area. And uh, then we, when we all got old enough to start driving, we would 
we would go to Dallas and Fort Worth and, you know, started meeting more people. What kills me now that you mentioned it is that, so your dad buys you a, a guitar and a drum set for your brother many, <laughs> many years ago. And you're a guitarist and your brother's a drummer. Yeah, I know. And weird you both follow things... this thing. Like I, yeah. I mean, most people probably wouldn't or couldn't. And somehow that thing changed we, we your life. We must be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Only some people are crazy enough to keep doing this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, you, you work with Pops. And then, then what happens? You, you moved to Austin. Is that around like after well, school? Well, I moved to Dallas at, once I got out of high school for like a year. Right. And I'd met another buddy of mine, Mike Flanagan, at the pawn shop in Denton, which is where I bought my first really good guitar. Which was? And, uh, which was a, it was a Fender Strat, like a reissue. When they started making the early, the 80s reissues, you know, they kind of made them like they were in the 50s or 60s. And, and I remember I worked at a Piggly Wiggly grocery store and I went in there and I talked to Mike and he had an Antones t-shirt on. And I was like, wow, you've been there? You know, how cool. And he's like, he's like five years older than me. So he was like, yeah, I went down there last week and, you know, I was hanging out. I saw Hubert Sumlin and Wayne Bennett and James Cotton. I'm like going, wow, I got to see this. I got to go there. And uh, so I met him and we started hanging and playing together too. Like him, he, him and Paul and my brother and I, we all kind of were the little Denton blues gang. And uh, then when I got old enough to drive, my dad lived in Austin. So he kind of moved all over. He was in New Orleans for a while. And by this time he was in Austin. And so we started driving and me and my brother would drive down to Austin and uh, see our dad in the summer. And he took us to Anton's. So we were like, man, we're all into blues. And he's like, well, Anton's is down here. I'll, I'll, we'll go out there. We go in there. Little Charlie and the Nightcats are playing there. It's like a Tuesday night, probably 20 people in the club. And, you know, you're hanging out with my dad. He's like drinking beer and he kind of, we, we meet Clifford. And, and my dad's like, man, you gotta check out my boys. They're all into blues. Like they play, they play guitar and drums. You gotta check them out. And, and I'm like, oh, wow, I can't believe I'm here. And, and next thing I know, it's the end of the night, and Clifford gets on stage and calls me up there. He goes, let's get this kid up here. Well, yeah, come on. Where, where's, his, where's little Johnny? And he started but way back then calling me Johnny Dollar. He go, Johnny Dollar, come on, get up here. And I got up. I was so scared. And I'll never forget, man, little Charlie puts his, gives me the guitar, and then Rick leaves the stage and he gives Charlie the harmonica and Charlie starts playing like, yeah, like he's amazing phenomenal harmonica and I'm I'm just like going oh my god I'm hanging on for dear life but that was my first time and, and you know blew my mind and Clifford was so cool from then on he he at the end of the night you know he goes hey man whenever you're down here you guys are totally welcome and he gave me his card I'll never forget it, it had his like business card and on the back he wrote like it, you know admit any time wow. and put it and signed it you know CJ Antone you know let little men so anytime we came down then me and my brother could get in like we had the card you know so we would get in and, and I met a uh, several times later I met a, a guy named Hook Herrera and he had some gigs in Austin and Mike Buck for early T-Birds drummer was on drums, Alex Napier, you know, so I started coming down and playing with those guys too. So, you know, and eventually moved down probably when I was 20 to Austin. But then there's no doubt that this is what you're going to be doing. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm all, I'm like, cause I was in a band and in, in, actually in, in Dallas called the Wee Bats and, and they played, we were actually making money. Like we played five nights a week all around Dallas, Fort Worth. And uh, I was like, wow, you can, you can do this. You can make money <laughs> playing guitar. Like, okay. So how did you hook up with Daryl? How does that happen? Well, I'd seen Daryl go see us. So me and my brother and Paul and Mike, we would all go down to Dallas and go to these blues jams. Uh, this guy, Hash Brown, he ran these like jams every Thursday and Sam Myers would be there. Zuzu Bolin, all these guys. 
would be hanging out. And uh, Daryl, you know, when he, he was playing with Ronnie Earl at the time. And he would, whenever he was in town, he would come down and hang out. And so I got to know him, got to sit in and play with him a couple of times. And uh, he, when he left, uh, when actually when he was still with Ronnie, they played in Dallas. And he got me and he told Ronnie, like, man, you ought to get these two Denton guys up to play guitar. And Ronnie did. And that was another scary, <laughs> scary moment. You got Ronnie Earl, like, just breathing down your throat, like, playing <laughs> the most insane, great guitar. But, yeah, so from there I was talking to Daryl, you know, and, and then I think he left Ronnie's band there soon after, and he called me and goes, hey, are you interested in doing this, you know, and and starting a band with me? And I'm like, wow, uh, yeah, totally. So, and that was kind of in the middle of all this. I was still in Dallas living, you know, when I started doing that. And, man, I'd go out with Daryl for half the year. Like, we were, we'd go all over the place, you know. I went to Europe the first time with him you know, all over the States, Canada. I mean, so it was a great thing. That was my first record I was, you know, part of, you know, that was released. Yeah, Texas Heat, yep. You know, those guys are still really great friends of mine. Steve Gomes, you know, Rob Stupka. We have the drummer that played with with Robert Cray, David Olson, early on that first record. And then we had Rob on the rest of them. But Would you be able to go back in time and think about what your goal might have been at that point what your dream might have been it, it wasn't really i didn't really i just was going with it you know i don't really i didn't really think of a goal or i think i was probably just drinking drinking beer and <laughs> playing gigs and i mean was there all the first time you actually toured yep and i should say it's daryl newlish just in case people mm-hmm. don't know um, yeah, but that was your first taste of touring. Yep. Yeah, actually, I had gone out with Hook. That he's a harmonica player, but was living down here at the time. I went to California and all the way back with him, but but that was it. You know, that one run. But then after that, yeah, Daryl was. You know, we went to Europe a couple of times. Went all over. Yeah. So. And that definitely. was. I mean, I had the pleasure of seeing that band. You with Daryl. And Steve and Rob, and yeah. that was that was a killer band. It was for sure, it was like a ridiculously amazing band, which yeah. wound up to become a, the Severin Studio Session yep. musicians. Yep. And tell me about that experience. And and I mean, obviously you're assigned to Severin, and that's probably the connection. But yeah, what did that teach you as a, as a musician? Oh man, a lot. You know, it, uh, those guys brought in all these great singers. You know. Blue Pride, you know, yeah. and, and I mean, all, all, a whole bunch of guys. Uh, a lot of it was great, just more diving more into the soul music side of it, really. That kind of what it kind of evolved into more of, you know, those guys, Steve and Daryl are way into that stuff. And then when we got over there to Severn, it was like, you know, they really dove even further in, you know. So I wondered, it was like a nice school of, of diving into all that especially the rhythm stuff you know rhythm you know backing up different singers you know did the, i presume that would have changed your playing it did it, it really did yeah you definitely kind of it's like a different you know, it's something i'm really glad i've got in my you know i can do but but you can go into that role Okay, I'm a, I'm gonna be a the cool funky soul guitar you know rhythm guitar guy over here, you know. And, and then around the same time or early on, you did a solo album. Yep. Um, tell me about that. The pursuit of a solo career was it a is it was it a pursuit of a solo career or was it just something you wanted to do and get down on tape and? Well, there's a couple things we did when I was in Dallas. I met this guy named Chuck Nevitt. And him and a buddy of his, Scotty Ferris, would were always on the scene hanging out. Like they invited us to a rehearsal with this guy Zuzu Bolin. I remember when we were kids, and and uh, those guys were always big supporters of uh, me and Jay and Paul. Like Mike, we would like, you know, they were always out, but they'd always invite us to other cool things you know, in Dallas we didn't know about. But uh. Chuck started this label called the Dallas Blues Society, 
record label. And he, he put out a Zuzu Bowen album. He put out a whole bunch of cool records. And uh, he put us in the studio first. He was like, man, let's go do this thing. It was called Return of the Funky Worm. I don't know if you've heard that one ever. It's, it's kind, of a, kind of a cool. And then that's the one I did after it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, that's a, the yeah, second okay. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, that, that guy made both of those happen. You know, we were just hanging out, and he'd go, here, man, I'll, I'll, I'll pay for it. I'll put you in the studio. I'll put it out. Like, you guys go do something, you know? What was that experience like to become, like, what was your first experience in the studio like? You know, it's funny. You learn. I remember doing that Daryl, first Daryl record. It, it was, I wasn't that comfortable. I didn't know the ins and outs. Like, you know, a lot of times they'll just put your amp in a closet down the hallway and, and you're going, man, that's not really what, how I sound or I don't, I'm not feeling it like I do when I'm at that club over there and I'm cranking my amp up and can hear, you know, can feel it differently. So you kind of learn, you learn how to communicate better. Like, you know, with the, engineer or somebody going hey i i need to get i need this to you know be happening to, to really do my thing but i remember not you know i was young i think i was 19 when we made that daryl record and at the first one the texas heat and i didn't really know how to communicate that you know it was just kind of like oh, okay i'll yeah that's cool i'll just i'll roll with this you know so how do you learn that how do you become more comfortable in the studio I'm still learning. I'm still trying to figure that out. I think like even being over there yesterday, you know, it's like, you still kind of going, it's never ending, you know? Well, that but surprises think, me because you, you know, I mean, being part of the Severin recording team, you did a lot yeah. of albums. Yeah. Yeah. And you find different little ways, different techniques or different ways, you know, like there's sometimes where, you know, to get the sound you want, you can find, you know, like one thing's if you're overdubbing your solo later, you know, you can crank it up in a bigger rim, you know, and just get a, you know, try to get the sound that makes you feel comfortable, you know. But it is weird. It's always changing. It's like you never really have it down. <laughs> it's always, you know, it's like you write a song and you think it's going to get in the studio and, oh, I got it all figured out. And then when you get in there, it's like, Oh wait, this isn't working the way I thought it would. Like it, you get these guys and the recording, and so it's never ending. So, and then a number of years ago, I I got a chance to see you in Boston. I don't know if you remember this gig. It was, I believe, at the Regent Theater. Oh wow! And it was it was from the Boston Blues Society or Blues Festival. Greg Sarney had put it on. Hubert Sumlin was there. Oh, I David remember Max, that. Right? Wow. Yeah, and. I don't know if it was the first time, but it was one of the earlier times of you singing. Oh, wow. I don't Dang. know if you remember that. I don't remember that. Because so I remember afraid we talking to, I'm and, afraid and you were... to know what it might have been like. <laughs> no, I know you were a little bit nervous about it. Yeah, yeah. But now wow. you're singing a lot more, right? Like you. I have been. I have been, and that's slowly getting... I'm starting to feel comfortable. <laughs> now, when was that? You're talking about wow. 30 years ago. No, <laughs> no, no. 25. It wasn't 30. Maybe yeah, maybe 25. 20. Yeah. Wow. No, no, no. I don't, even, I don't even remember that. 2006, maybe somewhere around there. Okay. So. Okay, not bad. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because I've tried, but I never really, until the last probably two years, put a real healthy focus on it. You know, I think before I might drink a bunch of beer and go, yeah, I could, I'll, I'm going to try it. I'm going to sing one. But I didn't really... It doesn't come natural, you know, like some people are naturally, you know, great singers. They, they, they're 10 and they can do that. So you got to really find what you can do and what you can't do, you well, know? I mean, and I hate to call this a disadvantage, but the, the other disadvantage you had is like you were working and have continue to work with some of the greatest blues singers. Yeah. You know, when you talk uh, about Kim yeah. Wilson and Daryl Newish yeah. and Lou Pryde. Yeah. And, like it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It does. The standards are really high. You know, so so yeah, when you're younger, I'm going, I'm not gonna try to do that. You know, I'm not gonna get up there after Daryl and try to sing a song. Like it'd be so dumb. But you know, now it's like I, I do wanna be more you know, and that kind of segs into what you're talking about earlier about uh when I left the T Birds, you know, for the last couple of years. 
me and my brother started this Wednesday residency here in town and, and just said, we're going to play every week and we'll front, we'll split the night, you know, half and half of running the band and which neither one of us had really done. So it's been great. It's been great to like every week go in and, you know, after two years I'm going, okay, I'm, I'm getting there, <laughs> you know? So that conjures up a few questions. One is, What's it like playing with your brother? And especially when you started together, like literally started together, day one, yeah. you were both playing for the first time together, to to now. I mean, you were in the Thunderbirds together. The Moller brothers are playing and touring together. What is it like to play with your brother versus playing with another drummer? Well, it's definitely, we definitely have a thing where we play a certain way together that's, you know, that you don't do with anyone else. You kind of, I think he knows where I'm going to go and, and vice versa, you know, when you're playing, it's funny We're we're pretty much exactly the same as we were when we were 13. I mean, I'm the same, you know, I am, and I know he's definitely the same, but I remember, you know, back when we were kids, me and him and Paul would set up in the garage and start playing. And maybe when we were playing with Pops Carter and we would rehearse. And I remember like, you know, not liking something he was doing and like maybe stomping my foot or look, giving him the, <laughs> giving him the eye, you know, like, come on, man. And my brother, if you knew it, if you knew him, he didn't take to those kind of things real kindly. <laughs> and he still doesn't. I, and he gave me this look and I'm like, okay, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> that's, that's not going to fly with him. But, but we totally, I mean, we, we, we we love playing together and, and you know still do and if i'm not mistaken you've done a lot of recording projects together with other people we have yeah we have we 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 do he's been playing with a lot of people you know in the last couple of years he's been playing with this guy charlie crockett i don't know if you're he's like more country but they've been doing that i played on a couple of songs on one of his records you know but i think it's coming out soon and uh we got a thing we're doing in february with a buddy of mine from belgium this guy, Mark T, who's like really great, great singer, guitar player, musician. So, yeah, we always are doing stuff together. And we've got like like two records in the can that we're, we're trying to figure out how to put out, you know. Well, that's difficult now, right? Like, it is. Like, I, I, so one question would be, you know, what motivates you to record? Is it just to have something captured? Is it? To sell? Is it to get gigs? Like, I, I think all of the above. It, it, you know, we both are do so much different stuff, and it gets hard. Like in the T Birds, like we we've got this one record. It's probably been done for ten years, and yeah, and it's you know you run around and you get really busy with the T Birds next year, and then you're like, okay, we still got to figure out how to put that out, and you know, then the next year comes and oh, I'm swamped, you know, until. <laughs> December and it just keeps rolling over. But I think he he's he said he's got a guy that might want to put it out here pretty soon. So and you just hope we get that out. Lucerne Festival as the Molar yeah. Brothers, right? Yep. Yeah, that went great. That yeah. was great. We did our own show and then we backed up this guy Stan Mosley, who's another great singer that you've recorded. I don't know, with. You, yep. Yeah, check out that record. You'll like it. He's like like soul. Yeah, yeah. Great soul singer. You know? I actually did for this interview because I want to see what you guys are doing. Oh, cool. And then um, we played uh, with this kid, uh, Mac McDonald. I don't know if you've heard him yet. Phenomenal. Great. It's like 22-year-old kid, like sings great, plays great. What does he play? He's, guitar? plays guitar. He plays everything. He plays drums. He plays piano, plays organ. I mean, he's you'll, you'll hear about him <laughs> for sure. <laughs> okay, yeah. last time you told me that was, yeah. I think, 2010, you said... I said, "Who? What's what's the next big thing?" And he said, "Gary Clark Jr." Uh, Remember that? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yep. Wow. He's done okay. He's done pretty good for himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So you wind up joining the T-Birds, which was the last time I saw you, which was probably oh, wow. like ten years, more than ten years ago. And yeah. we had a, a quick conversation about that. But tell me about how that happened. You know, I had way back in Austin way, way, way back when Kid Ramos was in the band with the T-Birds. 
uh, I was at Antone's one night and, you know, I knew, I've known Kim forever, you know, just hanging out at Antone's and from Clifford. And, uh, I ran into Kim like random night at Antone's and he said, Hey man, I, I might need, I might need to, I might need you for some gigs. And I'm like, Oh man, yes. And, uh, I said, well, here, here's my number, you know, let me know. And, you know, in the music business, you always hear things come up and until you're actually doing it, you know, we'll see, you know. Is that so the I'm attitude? Like, okay, I mean, well, is that the reality that you just don't get excited about anything until it actually happens? Well, you, you do get excited, but you gotta, you gotta be careful, you know, because yeah, yeah. you, you get too excited and then, you know, someone says, Oh man, I'm gonna get you on this record with, you know, whoever. And, what, and then, you know, it never happens. But Kim was like, yeah, I might need you. You know, here's my number. Let me get yours. And and I was working at a restaurant at that time, like during, during the day. I've done that off and on for 20 whatever years, bartended or whatever I do. And uh, I'll never forget. I mean, this is like before cell phones where we all have now. But uh, I was working at that restaurant and I'd forgotten about this conversation with Kim really and and they're all of a sudden they get a phone call up there so this some time has passed yeah it's probably like three months later or something okay. and I'm just like oh yeah I guess that didn't happen you know and uh I guess they called my house the number I gave them the home phone and they said oh he's at work and they said well man we really need to talk to him and so I'm at work I get a phone call and it's the t-birds manager at the time and he's like Johnny uh Kid Ramos's wife is pregnant and she went into labor just now. So kids leaving and we need somebody like tonight. And I'm like, where are you? And they go, New York city. And they go, can you come to New York? And I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh crap. I better start learning these songs. And, uh, it turned out they couldn't get me there that night. It was too, you know, the, they could just couldn't get a flight that short notice. They said, well, hey, we're going to fly you to Buffalo tomorrow. And uh, that was my first gig. I played at Buffalo, like at the, at the Six Flags there, uh, like theme park thing. <laughs> and I flew in the next day and played. And then I blew into California and played another show the next day. And then Kid showed up there, you know, and, and resumed, jumped back in with the band from there. But th I did those two shows. And it went good. Kim was like, oh, man, you know, you great job. You know, thanks. And. I was like, wow, that was cool. And then years later, my brother was in the band. Uh, he was buddies with, with Nick and Ronnie James and Kirk Fletcher. And they needed a drummer. So Jay got in the band. And he'd been in the band for maybe a year or two. And uh, I was hanging out at my brother's house here one afternoon. And the T-Birds had came up with like a last-minute weekend show in Las Vegas. and they And Nick... Curran had a uh, another gig booked already, but he couldn't get out of it. It was like a big reunion tour of a band that he used to be in, and and there he was like, "I can't do it. I can't. I can't get out of what I got here." You know, so uh, the manager calls my brother's house and goes, "What's your brother doing this weekend?" <laughs> and Jay goes, "Let me ask him." And I was literally there. <laughs> he goes, "What are you doing next this coming weekend?" I'm like, "Nothing." He goes, you want to go to Las Vegas? I'm like, yeah. Hell yeah. So, okay, so I, that was the second one. When that happens, when you get this call and you say, can you come up to Buffalo and do the T-Bird show? Like how much, how much, obviously there's not enough time to prepare. Yeah. And you don't actually get a chance to rehearse with the band. Maybe at soundcheck, but that's about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And then they give you a song list and maybe a tape to listen to. Yeah, yeah. And, Pretty and much, yeah. how comfortable are you when you get step on the stage that night? Yeah, you're kind of scared, maybe. But I, I grew up knowing those songs and grew up. That was my favorite band. You know, if, my mom took us to see the T-Birds in 85. You know, <laughs> I still remember, you know, and, and uh, in Fort Worth. So I've been such a fan. But it is weird because some things are different. You know, you know the songs, but they have a different part they do now or a different, you know, thing but yeah you just kind of listen and try to try to be you know 
attuned to what's happening. How long does it take for you to get used to that band? How long? I mean, obviously, at one point or another, they said you're in the band. Yeah. How long yeah. does it take for you to go, okay, now I feel like I'm in the band, not the newcomer? Yeah. I, you know, maybe a couple of years. Maybe you kind of, you know, you kind of, wow. you know. Yeah. I mean, to get comfortable, it's like funny. Like, I've been in so many different versions of the band that, like, even coming back now this year, it's cool. It's like, it's fun. It's a different, every time it's a different group of guys, it's a whole different kind of thing they, that everyone brings, you know? So you kind of reinvent that, re, 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 get used to it all again, you know? Okay. So before you came back, you left. Yeah. What was yeah. that like? I think it was a perfect, perfect time. Cause I'd been in the band for 14 years uh through through a couple different incarnations and and uh you know kim called and he he wanted to try he goes man i, I want to try something new you know and i was like i just played my wednesday gig with my brother over there and i was like man i, I it's all good because i, I want to do some new stuff too you know do something different and i said man me and you're great kim like i've been with you for 14 years you know we're good i said if you need me down the road you know, holler, you know, but, you know, and all, and all the best, you know, for what you need to do, you know. So that was good. So then I started playing with doing the thing on with my brother and kind of fronting a band more and trying to wrap my head around that. And, uh, yeah, play with around Austin. There's so many things going on. I was playing with Marsha Ball. I still, I still play with her. And uh, this guy, Guy Forsyth. I played this guy, Mike Barfield all the time like he's my partner going way back you know this is more of a funk band right yep yeah kind of a funk it's very rootsy but it, it's mainly funk kind of funky inspired thing dance music kind of so one it's of my, a lot of fun one of my goals is to come to the continental club and see your band oh you got to come see that you'll love it it's a <laughs> it's really a lot of fun okay so then you get a call from i don't know who the manager from kim saying we needed you to come back yeah what yeah, does that the, the, feel like it was good you know and, and it was he called earlier this year and just said hey we've got like pretty busy july and you know and the rest of the year's you know pretty good too he said you know you want to jump back in and i was like looked at my calendar and went oh, that fits i can do that you know so it felt great it feels good. And, and like I said, I've been in a couple different versions of the band and I love them all. Like, it's like all the, all these guys are all my buddies and I didn't know any of these guys, you know, this time. So, and instantly it's like, I, I love these guys. Uh, Bob Wells just like, he's like my soul brother <laughs> that I never knew. <laughs> so like we're, we're five days apart, like the same year, He's born five days. His birthday's five days after mine, you know. And it's like funny. I start playing and going, man, I, this guy like, I connect with him instantly. Like I can, you know, we're coming from the same place. We're the same age. He was probably doing the same thing I was the whole what you know coming up, yeah, yeah. but at a different place, a different location, you know, on the west coast. And uh, and we have a lot of mutual friends, but we never really had worked together, really known each other. Really. I'd met him a few times, but just in passing, you know, here and there. And, uh, Rudy Petshower on drums, Steve Christie on bass. Those guys, they're all fantastic. So, so how crazy is it? I mean, there've been a number of interviews I've done when something like this has happened, but I just find it so fascinating that you get into music, you get into playing the guitar, you, you, you become a fan of a band and one of them is the fabulous Thunderbirds. And yeah. a number of years later, there you are, one of the players in that band. It's crazy. I can't believe it is crazy. It it's funny. So yeah, like I tell Kim that story about my mom taking me to see him when I was fifteen. <laughs> and he's like, Don't say that. Don't don't tell me that. You know, but I'm like, man, I mean it blew my mind. It it, it you know, the, I already had the records, but then seeing them and, and you had to think 
if you would have told me 15 year old me, like one day you're going to be in that band playing with that guy, you know, all the time, you know, and it's funny with Jimmy too. Like he plays at the bar. I was telling you, my wife used to have the, the trailer at and, and I play there all the time. That's we, where I sorry, play. We should Wednesday. clarify that the trailer was uh, a restaurant or. A, yeah. He's at a food trailer. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a good thing to clarify. And, uh, the uh, I play there every Wednesday at Sea Boys Heart and Soul Club, and uh, Jimmy plays there every Friday and Saturday when he's off. And so I used to live like in the condo I lived in, right behind the club. Like you could throw a rock, literally, <laughs> and hit the club. And I I remember thinking I'd come in from the grocery store and park my car, and I could hear Jimmy playing with Mike Flanagan. My buddy from way back and I can hear him playing. I'm parking the car and I'm going, man, if you would have told me when I was 14, one day you're going to live right by there. You're going to park your car and go to the grocery store and come back and hear him playing and you won't even go in. You know what I mean? I would have been like, no dude, you're crazy. You'll be there every night. You know, I just grab my groceries and I'm like, man, it's sounding good tonight. <laughs> go, on, go on in. So the other thing, the other story I know about you, and I don't know if you told me about this, but, at one point, you tried out for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> I did. I did. And, and and made it to the final. I made it to the final round. Yeah. I guess. Tell me about that. Yeah. Well, Paul Size was in that band, the Red Devils, and Rick Rubin produced their, their only record they put out. And so he was living in L.A., and I loved that band. I was like a big fan of John Frusciante, the guitar player that left. Mm-hmm. and uh and came back and came back and left and came back and and uh he uh he's uh paul goes hey they're having these auditions why don't you come out here and hang out with me and go check it out and i'm like okay well you know when you're in your early 20s and you're like i'll scrape together some money and drive out there and we'll see yeah so i did i go there and i go to the audition and there's like a line of like 300 guitar players, like around the block of this like rehearsal <laughs> complex. And I'm like, oh my God, okay, I get in line. And it's funny, like guys are out there like drinking like beer and whiskey and smoking and like, like it was a party almost. Like, yeah, I'm going to go rock out with the Chili Peppers. <laughs> and do you actually and, play with the Chili Peppers at that point? Well, so the first day, I mean, you, I waited in line probably five hours wow you finally get in there and i'll never forget the guy in front of me was the guy like he's like drinking and making a party of it i'll he literally went in the door and came right back out like like four minutes later he goes man i plugged it in they go okay that'll be good (laughs) (laughs) and it, it was like these buddies of theirs like maybe they're road tour manager or they're some guys they trusted right to weed through all the all the riffraff <laughs> and so i go in there and they go yeah man here's an amp you know plug in and we jammed for like five minutes is it and what is it did they tell you a song or you're just jamming i can't i think it just jammed like oh. they just start playing you know and it was like let's just play and i played and i you know it went pretty good and we got done and this is on a friday and i'm already broke and like going, what am I doing out here? I can't believe I'm doing this. And, and I've been, I've spent the whole day here. I get in line and I, and these guys are like their buddies and I play and they go, well, Hey, sounded really good. If you want come back Monday and you can play with the band. And I'm like, Whoa, wow. Okay, cool. So I come back Monday and there's three guys at the door in front of me. I'm like, Oh my God. So we went from 300 to <laughs> Maybe it was a thousand. I don't know. It was so big. It seemed like it like wrapped around the off into the neighborhood, you know, so many people. But so there's like two or three guys there. They go in, come out, and I go in. And there's the band. There's Flea and Chad Smith, the drummer. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening, you know. And, and I didn't use pedals or anything back then. I, I That kind of – I had never really gotten into that kind of world. And there's like this big amplifier and pedals and, and they go here, man, plug in and let's play. 
And I'm like, oh, man, okay. I plug in. And we probably jammed for like 30 minutes. And Flea would just change the groove. Like he'd go fast and slow and medium, like funky, all kinds of grooves. And I just tried to keep up. I mean, it was just like, oh, oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, and it was Flea. It was very Flea, like you see him. Like he was exactly like you'd expect. And Chad was the way he was. He was cool. Like when we got finished, he goes, man, you sound really good. Where are you from? And and I'm like, oh, I'm shaking. And then Anthony, the singer, came out. And he had his dog with him. He came out of a room and goes, yeah, man, hey, I, w- I would have came and j- rocked out with y'all. But I got my dog. And she's real <laughs> sensitive. And it was like very rock star, you know, like stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I'll never forget. My, I got in the car at the time when we left there. And I just threw up. I was so like nerve from the nerves and the whole thing of it. I was just like, Oh my God, I think I'm going to be sick. Like this is too much. And, uh, but yeah, that was, that was that. I'm glad I did it. What did you learn from that experience? I don't know. I don't know what I, I just, that that's a whole different world. I had never been in that before, like playing in blues bands and soul bands and, you know, it was just a a whole different, you know, thing. I would love to do that. I would love to do that. I've auditioned for two bands ever, and that was one of them. The other one was the Black the Black Crows. Really? Uh, yeah. So, wow. Yeah. And what was so, that like? Same? It was cool. <laughs> it was, it was yeah, same kind of like, whoa, boy. Like, you know, when you play in blues bands or soul bands or – I mean, I like to play. I I know I play loud at times, and you you know that world. You got people going, "Hey, man, can you come down a little bit?" You know, <laughs> I mean, and and over there in that world, they're going. I'll never forget Chris Robinson looked at me. And goes, "Hey, man, you can you can turn up quite a bit." And I'm like, oh, "Whoa, okay, cool." <clears throat> and was it? But like they're, a, man, they're great. Was it a free for all once again? Like, was it? No, no, that was totally different. I knew all. I knew what what I was supposed to do, and. They, they they had a set list, you know, know all these songs and, and, but it was kind of weird. I, I, I didn't know it was for the Black Crows per se. It was kind of hush hush what it exactly was. Right. It was before they re- reunited this last time here in the last couple of years. And so I didn't know which parts really, you know, Rich Robinson he plays kind of the, really the meat and potatoes. Like he makes up all those riffs and, you know, it's the main part of the songs. So I was kind of like, I probably should know more of that. I mean, I should wrap my head around that probably to begin with. So I really know these songs better. And sure enough, I didn't know he was going to be there really. So you and so then we part. get there. Exactly. And like an hour before the audition started, the drummer who had played with Chris a long time, me and him are having breakfast together. And he goes, yeah, man, it's so crazy. You know, this, you know, we're doing this thing. And I go, what do you mean? And I go, don't you play with you? You're in the band already with Chris. He goes, no, but this is the black crows. And I'm like, you mean like rich and Chris both like, Oh shit. And I'm like ran to my room and like, ah, wrong. I did the wrong thing. Wow. But, but it was great. They were great. They were, you know, so cool. I went and saw them uh, two times. You know, they've they come back through town, and and those guys are great guys. And yeah, that was a lot more organized and a lot more. <laughs> besides my own part of not knowing what to do, <laughs> but I could see, I could see, I can picture you in either one of those bands. Like you're kind of playing. Like it, to me, it makes total sense that you would have tried out for both of those bands. Yeah. Well, thanks. I, I love both of those bands actually. So it was. It was an honor to to jump in for a, even for a minute, you know. So and and then you started working with Marsha Ball. How how did that come about? Well, it was like when I left the T Birds. Her guitar player at the time, who'd been with her for many years, uh, Mike. He he called and goes, "Hey, I I think I'm gonna slow down working with Marsha. He'd moved back to California, and." Uh, he said, would you be interested in, you know, she's looking for somebody kind of probably more around Austin that can do a lot of those. 
And I think he just didn't want to fly in for, you know, like one-offs here and there. And so I was like, yeah, I'd love to. And I've known her forever. I've never played with her. I've known her just from being on the same scene here. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so Mike, Mike Shermer was like, well, I think you'd be perfect. You know, if you want to do it, I'll, I'll tell her to call you. And I was like, yeah, please do. So, yeah, she called and I went and played with her for a while. And she goes, yeah, if you want, you know, you're, you know, all these, all these gigs are yours if you want them. And I was like, oh, definitely. <laughs> you know, so it's been great. She's like a total class act. She's great at, you know, what she does. And she's a great, great person, you know, mm -hmm. to, to work with and to know. And it's been a, a great learning experience. Even like, you know, what you should and shouldn't do, like being a band leader. She's really on top of it. You know, she's always wants to work up new songs, always, you know, always up for rehearsing and, you know, so it's, it's been a great, great experience. Well, I, I think it speaks to who you are and what you bring to the table that all these people want to work with you. Well, I, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be working. So <laughs> it's a good thing. So I presume next year is going to be a busy year with the T-Birds. I think it is. Yeah, this record's supposed to come out, and it's sounding great. Like the, I think they've got four songs mixed, and they sound really good. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it. And does that basically now does that change your focus completely? Like, I mean, do you prefer? I mean, I, I guess it's a higher profile gig to be working with the T-Birds and Marsha. Mm -hmm. But yeah. do you prefer that and having to tour? And and have to deal with all that versus you know trying to work your, on your own stuff in Austin and build that. It's kind of a good a good dose of both, you know. Like it's nice to have that. It's nice to look at my calendar with the T T Birds or Marsh or whoever and go, okay, well, I got that 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 two weeks. Boom, I'm I'm good there. But yeah, definitely when you get back, it's always good. Like we're pretty slow for the next month here. So it's like nice to then jump back into the other world. Go, all right, let's focus on this, you know, the Moeller Brothers stuff that we're doing or Barfield. And and uh, I got, I'm lucky to have those things here around Austin that you can jump back into, you know. Well, hopefully I will see you next year on the road sometime. Like, I, I Man, I that. hope so. It's been like a long, long time. It has been. <laughs> we got to get to Canada. You somewhere, have to, somebody. Get, like, yeah, because the last time was Orangeville, and that was I don't know how many years ago, but that was wow. a long time ago. What's Orange? Where's Orange? Where's that? I was just outside of Toronto, and that's when I saw. Is you. that the? Is that the beaches thing? No. Was that that? No. no. The beaches thing we did, or you did with uh, Lou Pride and Daryl. Lou. Yeah. 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 I'll never forget that Lou. Like, he made uh, frisbees. I, I have one, and he was awesome. <laughs> And he's like throwing frisbees out, you know, and it was like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> I miss Lou. Oh, what a great voice he had. What a great person he was. He was, man. I'm trying to see if I can find this Lightning Hopkins album real quick. <laughs> do you do a lot of acoustic stuff? I don't really. It's That's a whole different, it's weird. It's a whole different beast. I mean, I, I got a couple acoustics I play around the house. That I like to do, but I've never done anything really on stage. Wow. You know, a lot where, uh, but I did do actually, I went to Spain and Portugal one time with Lazy Lester and another character. We did. Yeah. Oh man. He's such a great character. Oh, I think I was thinking about him a lot last week in Lucerne. Uh, his wife, PK, who's fin from Finland, she came and showed up last week and it was really cool to because the last time i was there was with him wow you know and uh luann barton and uh yeah he was but i did do an, an acoustic tour with him for two weeks all in spain and portugal I and mean, just me and him and it, it was so fun so cool you know i learned something every day <laughs> for sure <laughs> i am sure but man he was so cool yeah, what a great guy. Um, Johnny, thank you so much for doing this. It's been yeah, man. too long. Yeah, Michael, it's so good. It's been way too long. Great to see you. Great to see you. Even through the interweb or whatever. <laughs>
Yeah, come on so, up. Yeah. Come up to Canada. We gotta tell, I'll let you tell know. Kim to say he's gotta come up here. I know. I will. And and if anything comes up, I'll for sure let you know. All right. Well, thank you so much for yeah. doing this. I really appreciate cool. it. Cool. Cool, brother. Right. Good to see you. Take care. Take care, man. You too.